Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. Steve Nash, all right, Dirk Nowinski, I mean, they're all on the team, you know? I mean, this is, oh, this is a phenomenal club right here. Michael Finley, I mean, this is a great team. So uh, he's like, well, we were talking about your development, talking about your role, and we were trying to think. And they said, well, I think we want to put you on a contract with us, but it's, it's, go- it's going to be a deal to where we want to send you to Russia. Okay, we want to send you to Russia for one year. You go to Russia and you develop, they, they, they named the skills they wanted me to develop. And then we want you to come back and be a part of the Dallas Mavericks. It was that moment, Rob, where I said, that was my hinge moment with God. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. So our guest today uh, attended Lamar University uh, on a basketball scholarship, got his bachelor's degree in communications, ended up playing professional basketball in Sydney, Australia, and then joined the Dallas Mavericks after he got a call in 2003. And that's the story we're definitely going to start out with. I know you're going to love that. But he played on the Mavericks uh, NBA Summer League team. But then he stepped away from sports, and he ended up becoming a youth pastor. Uh, His wife, Tatiana, and him now have uh, four children, all girls, which is awesome. And he's a senior pastor at Christ Memorial Temple. I'm really looking forward to this story today about mental toughness, faith. Uh, Our guest today is, uh, is Pastor Eddie Robinson. Pastor Eddie, thanks so much for joining us, man. It is a pleasure. I'm excited to be with you. Uh, I am looking forward to this time uh, being with you today. Uh, we're going to have some fun today, so we're going to learn a lot about each other. I look forward to it. So s- since I got the mic just to start off, I mean, I, I want us to delve into, you know, you and the Dallas Mavericks in, in 2003 and and walking us through that story about you getting a call to join the Mavericks, the summer league team and, and, and walking us through that story. This is what me and my dad used to talk about coming up, you know, and, and how I was going to go pro and do all these things. And, uh, so this is a, a dream come true for me. And I, uh, I'm there with the Mavericks and I make the cuts, right? I, 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 I'm calling home. I'm like, Dad, I, I made it through all three rounds of the cuts. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I've, I've made it, right? And, uh, and it's, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm doing all that. And at the age of 21, Rob, what many people don't know, unless they really know me, is that at the age of 21 is when I gave my life to the Lord. Okay. And at the age of 21 was when I was baptized with his spirit. And my life mentally, my mindset changed in that moment at the age of 21. All right. This happened while I was at college. All right. I was at college at Lamar University. They're on a basketball scholarship. And and, um, 
but I still had the pursuit for basketball. All right. I still had the pursuit for basketball. And so it was interesting because uh, I still pursued went played overseas. And, and uh, here I am with the, with the Mavericks. And I remember one day here, here's here's what I feel is is is, is my hinge moment. But my hinge moment was um, it was different um, and different than different than what I was expecting. I'm literally in my well, my room that they provided they provided me because they put us up in like these condos and we had like our own little spot and you know we had everything taken care of for us uh, and I'm I'm literally in my my room and I remember it's like three o'clock in the morning I can't sleep and um, I'm I, so I get down on my knees and I start praying all right and I'm like God okay I I, I know. I love this game of basketball. I know I just gave my life to you just a, not, not even a year and a half ago, two years ago, you know, and I didn't know what, what to do because I don't know if I can do both. I don't know if I can honestly be the person that you want me to be and play this game that I love so much because I love this game and I love it so much, you know, that that was my addiction, right? I mean, that's what drove me. I woke up and went to sleep thinking that game, you know, uh, but that's what I've done, right? Since I, since I was young. So, and I remember asking God, I said, Lord, I, I need a sign from you. I need a sign because I want to do both. Can I be on this platform and be the person that you want me to be? Or can I not do it? Well, I just you know, walk away from you and just live my own life and make my own decisions and, and do whatever I choose to do that pleases my flesh, right? My flesh only. And so God, I need a sign. Well, I didn't hear nothing from him, right? It wasn't like <laughs> No burning bush <laughs> moment came. there. Yeah, no, <laughs> no burning bush moment. No angel came down from heaven. No nothing, right? So I'm just like crying and weeping. I'm like, man, God, like and you got please tell me something like just just tell me something because i really want to play this game rob when i tell you the next day in practice all right the next day in practice coach don nelson that's who was the coach back at this time yep. okay back in 2304 season which this is 0304 by the way all right yeah okay this oh LeBron i know james Dwayne, carmelo anthony this is that year yep right i mean this is a phenomenal year to be entering into the NBA, you know, to be a part of that class. So um, the next day in practice, Don Nelson comes up to me and says this. You, you won't even believe this. He said, Eddie, I was up at four o'clock in the morning and you came to my mind. Dr. Bell, remember, I was praying at three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. All right. He comes up to me and says, Man, for some reason, man, I, I was just up this morning and, and you were on my mind. And so immediately I'm already thinking like, oh, man, like here, here it goes. You know, OK, what, what is this? Right. And so he says, well, I met with the coaching staff today and we were talking development. We were talking about, you know, where you are, because Steve Nash, all right, Dirk Nowinski. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all on the team. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, oh, this is a phenomenal club right here. Michael Finley. I mean, this is a great team. Yep. Yeah. So uh, he's like, well, we were talking about your development, talking about your role, and we were trying to think. And they said, well, I think we want to 
put you on a contract with us, but it's it's going it's going to be a deal to where we want to send you to Russia. Okay, we want to send you to Russia for one year. You go to Russia and you develop. They 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 name the skills they wanted me to develop, and then we want you to come back and be a part of the Dallas Mavericks. It was that moment, Rob, where I said that was my hinge moment with God. Because I, I I asked God, give me a sign, show me a sign that if I can do both, I want to do it. But if not, have them say, have something to happen <laughs> that you know I do not want to do. You don't want to go and to Russia. I did not want to go to Russia. <laughs> I did not want to go to Russia, right? Like, there's no way I ain't going to Russia, you know? And so uh, what's interesting is they asked me and one other kid. His name is Josh Powell. People can Google him. They can look Josh him up. Josh Powell, NC State? That's right. There Josh we go. Powell. See, I told yep. you, I know my sports, man. Okay, yeah. Josh Powell. They asked me and Josh Powell. Josh Powell went. I shook Don Nelson's hand and said, thank you, but I will not be taking that opportunity. I believe God has other things for me, and I walked away. So right then and there, he shook his hand and said, thank you. Thank you. Right then and there, Rob. Practice yes, getting sir. ready Practice getting ready to start. And- yes, sir. Yes, sir. I walked out of the facility, took off my jersey, put on my clothes, they, they they were okay. They didn't argue or fight, you know, with me or nothing like that. They even put they even got me a plane. Uh, they put me back on a plane, uh, and and I flew all the way back to Indiana, Muncie, Indiana, uh, where where I'm from. So that was and I and I and I haven't looked back since. I walked away from the game. And and during that moment, like, what did what did Coach Nelson? Did he follow up with you? Or did he say anything else? Or be like, hey, I respect it. And- no, he he said just that. He said I respect that. He said, I respect it, Eddie. He said, you got to make a decision. You know, uh, this is the direction we would like to do with you. He said, but I respect that. Uh, and that was it. I mean, it was literally very few words. Uh, and I and I walked out. I love that story, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so you, you leave on your own volition. You fly yeah. back. And then how did your life start to transform then? So that, that's where it gets interesting because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Zero idea. Um, I just walked away from a game that I love so much. I was passionate. And Rob, you got to remember, I'm still young. Yeah. Right. You're talking a 23 year old young man. I'm young. You know, I, I, I still have a lot of legs right left in me to play this game that I love. Right. And um, I, I and so Josh Powell, going back to him, you know, yeah. he, he came back. Played with the Mavericks. He ended up getting a championship ring in 2009, by the way, with the Lakers. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, it's interesting how our, our, our stories just kind of went in, in different directions, you know. But um, And I, so I come back home, and I don't know what to do. You know, I, I mean, basketball's been in my life, and I'm home for a couple months, and my mother's like, son, you, you've got to do something. Right. You, you've, you've got to do something in life. And I'm like, well, man, I, I'm not sure what it is. Right. And um, uh, I t- make a phone call to a friend of mine in Texas. OK, mm-hmm. make a phone call to a friend of mine in Texas. And, and we're just talking about life. And we're just talking about what we're doing. He, he's calling me crazy. He's like, Eddie, what are you doing? How, how can you walk away from this? You know, I mean, anybody there's millions of kids around the world that would jump on that opportunity that you just had and you just walked away from it, you know? And, um, we, so we had that conversation and he was saying that all in love and respect. It wasn't like right. he was, you, 
Yeah, yeah. He, he's a great friend of mine. He was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. So, um, and he understood. He was like, hey, you, you, you made the best choice for, for what you thought um, was best in your life. Well, he had an uncle that was uh, like some big wig at Walmart. And he said, hey, my uncle can probably just get you a job for now if you want to just, you know, work at Walmart and, um, you know, you're educated, you have a degree um, and you can probably, you know, they have some kind of manager program there that you can start up with. So I was like, you know what? I'll try it. Let's just do it because it, it gets me it gives me something to do right now because I've been at home for the last 60 to 90 days just, you know, not really doing anything. You now, know? Quick, so quick question, Eddie. So. Um, Pastor Eddie, I got a question. So with when that happens, right, like I think a lot of people think like, hey, that hinge moment happens and then bam, now I'm motivated and disciplined and everything falls in line. But that, that wasn't the case, right? I mean, there was a, a period there of not knowing what's going to happen. Let me tell you, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bell, um, you're exactly right. When, when this happened to me, see, so that hinge moment actually has become the greatest pivotal moment in my life life mentally because when i have ran into other pivotal moments or other hinge moments in my life i always go back to that moment saying that just because you have a certain hinge life or, or where god is directing you in a different way it doesn't mean that just because he closes that door the next open door is going to open up immediately right yeah. there may be a process and what that was what I've learned was, was that I've got to learn how to not only believe in him, but I've got to learn how to trust in him too, right? Because there's a distinct difference between believing in something and trusting in something, yeah. right? I, I can believe, uh, like you can believe in your son, right? But to show you that you trust in him, it means you're there with him through the highs and the lows, right? Like I'm there with you. I got your back. And that's the thing that I've had to learn, you know, when it comes to who I am, where I am, trusting in God. It's like, I've got to learn how to trust him so that even when he pivots me in a different direction, I've got to know, okay, if this is not looking good or if, if it is looking good, I've got to trust him, you know? Yeah. And so it, it, it goes back to this, to where here I am home. I'm like, okay, God, I just walked away from something that could have earned me millions. I'm expecting you to do great things right now for me, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's just, I'm just being real with you, right. you know? I'm expecting the heavens to open up and just, you know, money just fall from heaven into my lap, right? Yep. But it, it didn't happen like that, sir. I, I literally had no idea. And here I am, an athlete um, who loved what I, uh, what I, what I did. Um, I had a lot of influence, especially in Texas where I went to college. I'm connected with a lot of people. And yet here I am, a young man not knowing what tomorrow, what I'm going to do, or what tomorrow may bring. You know, uh, and trust me, throughout my life, there's been times where in my mind, I battled in my mind. Right. Especially when I've hit those lows and uh, money wasn't where it is, you know, maybe if it is right now. And those mind games will start to me, you know, saying, yeah, look what you turned away. Look what you you, you should have did it for at least two or three years. You know, you did it for at least a little while. Then you could have walked away. Oh, trust me. All those things come to my mind and, and believe me, a lot of people say those things to me too, sure. you know, uh, but I've, I had to learn, no, if, if, if I trusted God in that moment and I walked in that moment, he's going to take care of me for the rest of my life. Right. 
And so I, I take this job with Walmart. They train me in Muncie, Indiana, and they train me for, uh, you know how you go into Walmart and they have like these vision centers where you can get your eyes checked and you get glasses and all yeah. that stuff? Okay, so check this out, doctor. You, you're going to like this. So I get, I'm, I start doing that. I start training in a Walmart vision center in Muncie, Indiana. And they train you for so many months. And then basically you get your own store, right? So once you're trained, they give you your own, not the whole Walmart, but just the vision center part. Okay. So after the training, but here's the thing, you sign up for the training saying, we put you wherever we want you to go. Right. It's not like I have a choice. You know, I can't say, you know what? Phoenix, Arizona sounds good. Yeah. You could be in Montana or Mississippi, right? Like, Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you can be put anywhere, right? You can yep. be put anywhere. So I'm like, you know what? I've traveled a lot. I, I'm game for it. You know, uh, let's let's just see where this takes me. So, and even though I really wasn't passionate about it, right? I wasn't passionate about it. And so, um, and I take, take this role. And then after my training, they say, hey, we got a store opened up. And it's in Frankfurt, Indiana. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Frankfurt, Indiana. Yeah. So I'm like, Frankfurt? I've never even heard of Frankfurt. What's yeah. Frankfurt? So I'm Googling Frankfurt. I'm looking up Frankfurt, right? And I was like, oh, that's where the movie Blue Chips was. Remember that with Shaq and Penny? You know, Blue Chip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ricky, that's Ricky Rowe. I, I, yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's how I, I, I know who Frankfurt is, right? You know, just because of that gym. That's where they shot the movie. So I'm like, oh, that's what the movie Blue Chips was. So I'm like, okay, this can't be a bad city then, right? So I drive to Frankfurt. I'm like, this place is horrible. Yeah, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, nothing there. I was like, I don't want to live here. So I'm like, okay, what's the closest city? Where do I end up? Lafayette, Indiana, right? So I get a home, get an apartment here in Lafayette, Indiana. My job's in, in Frankfurt, all right? And so the whole time I'm like, all right, okay, God, this is not my passion, like, I don't know what to do here. Well, I end up in Lafayette, Indiana. I'm searching for churches to just attend or go to, okay? Just to, you know, have a foundation, you know, in my life. And I end up walking into Christ Memorial Temple. Christ Memorial Temple is where I pastor at right now. I end up walking into the building where I end up being the pastor there 15 years later. So it's crazy. And so, I mean, even growing up, so with your father, um, you know, a man of the cloth. Yeah. Did yeah. Did you know that that you wanted to follow in those steps? I mean, how not did, at all. Okay, so then how that how that process happen from going from yeah. Frankfurt walking into Christ Memorial Temple and then uh, becoming yeah. the the head pastor there? Yeah. So I actually did not want to be a pastor at all. Okay. Because I, I seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, right. you know, of, of that lifestyle. I just, I seen what my dad had to go through, him and my mom, and some of the things that they just dealt with on a day-to-day basis. And I was like, I want no part of that, you know? So yeah. I, I love people, but I don't know if I love them that much. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, and the interesting thing was, was that when I walked into that church, um, the... Uh, the pastor's wife at that particular time walks up to me, gives me this big old hug, right? Just starts hugging me. She's just like, you have no idea how long I've someone like you to walk in these doors. So 
that kind of threw me a little bit. You know, I was like, "What? I don't know what she means by that." You know, I don't, I don't know if she's looking for a six four black guy to <laughs> to walk into the doors. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, a, a young man walking through the doors. But um, and so I was there for let's say six months, and of course, my natural um, just instincts is just youth, young people. You know, so I'm just hanging out with them and they're they're attracted to me and they had a goal outside the church. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, so we'll go out there and start playing around and shooting yeah. and, you know, things like that. Uh, and so eventually that pastor comes up to me and says, hey, how would you like to just help us out? You know, and like teach some Sunday school and just start helping the kids out. Right. And I was like, hey, yeah, that, that'd be great. And from there, I start developing this burden. Right. This passions just start burning in me, you know, and right then and there, I knew, OK, this is what God wants me to do. He, he wants me to be a part of ministry and to it, it was just like I couldn't shake it. You know, I just couldn't shake it. So that very next year, uh, I was the youth pastor. So I quit my job at Walmart. I became a full time youth pastor right then and there. All right. I, I just don't put all my time into it. Everything. The money was awful. OK, sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I, I didn't have responsibilities, yeah, and, yeah. you know, like that. Right. So it's just me. Um, but I still didn't have a pastor, though. Right. Youth pastoring and pastoring is, is, is totally different. You know, you just you're responsible for teenagers, basically, you know. Um, but right then and there, that's when that burden started. Uh, really burning in my belly, and uh, that's where it all started. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. Our new book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. It can be bought anywhere books are sold, or go to the website, pukeandrallybook.com. With that burning, with that passion, how was that passion you know, that was infused by the spirit. How was that different than, you know, the fleshly passion that you had for basketball? What, what was different about it? So <clears throat> there wasn't any difference. Okay. The, the, the only difference was, and that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that because uh, I, I talk to this about a lot of people. Okay. The only difference was, was that I've been, I've been playing a game of basketball since I was five, you know, maybe younger than that. Right. I mean, just ever since I can remember. Whereas this was totally new to me. Okay. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do, how to do it. Was I doing it right or not? You know, it's not like you can pull up a YouTube video and say how to be a youth pastor. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you can pull some YouTube videos and say, okay, this is how Steph Curry shoots the ball. This yeah. is how you know, LeBron James or Kobe, you know, does this or that. Here's, here's, a, Euro, here's a Euro step. Or, yeah, here's right. a Euro step, right? Ginobili, uh, right? You know, so you can't do that stuff. You can't say how to be a youth pastor, you know? Um, so that's where the challenge was, was that I had this passion in me. And because I'm so competitive, uh, Dr. Bell, my competitive nature was like killing me, right? It was killing me. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking, okay, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I get better? And the thing was, was that over the years, I didn't get this at first, but over the years, I had to learn how to feed my spirit. Because how do you feed the natural and how do you feed basketball? You go out there on a court and play. Right. Right. 
You just get up shots. You dribble the ball. You run some suicides. You get in shape. You do whatever it takes to make sure that you're in tip-top condition and that you are able to compete on a high level. You can't do that when it comes to ministry, right? I mean, I don't care how many times you run around a block. That's not going to help your ministry. You know, a 5K marathon is not going to help your ministry, right? What's going to help my ministry? It's all the things we I didn't want to do at the age of 23 and 24. Pray, <laughs> read my Bible, fast. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? You know, discipline myself, humble myself to listen to older people as far as who had wisdom that can speak into my life. You know, so it was all those things that I had to shift and say, okay, if I'm going to be great, and what I mean by great, I, I hope you know what I mean. You, you know what I mean? If best, I'm going to be best good, you can be, yeah. There you go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, if I'm going to be very good at this, I've got to do things that sacrifice the flesh but strengthen my spirit. So that was tough. That was tough. And walk us through the journey then from youth pastor to then, you know, senior pastor. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it was a smooth not, ride, right? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. Um, again, hinge moments. Okay. Yep. They just start happening immediately. Right. So I'm there the church and I'm there for for about five years. All right. And um, a transition starts to happen to where I'm like, all right, it's, it's, it's time for me to grow. It's time for me to grow from what I've done over the last five years and uh, five or six years. So it's probably closer to six years. Um, and it's time to take the next step. And an opportunity opens up to where a pastor who knew my father uh, back home, um, he's out of Muncie, Indiana. He was starting a daughter work in Fishers, Indiana. All right. He calls up, calls my dad. He calls a couple of people and says, hey, is your son available? Can he come and pastor this church for me? I need help with him uh, to pastor so and it was 15 people right a little small little you know little, little little congregation but he was getting ready to purchase a building and he was looking for it to to grow so he was needing some young minds people with influence people with creative ideas to go there and, and pastor and at this time I'm, I'm married okay this now I'm, I'm married to my wife so it's me and my wife and um i think we have just the one kid at the time all right so we take advantage of that opportunity. We go, all right, we go. This is an opportunity for us to grow in a different capacity, right? Um, and it's something that I was feeling, but it's again, it's not like sports. Sports, if you wanna go to a different team or, or go to, you just start shopping around, right? Your agent starts picking up the phone and he starts making deals for you, you know? Well, it's not, Right. I mean, my my agent is God. Right? I mean, I go to him and say, OK, God, like this is kind of what I'm feeling. I, I need something to happen. Right. It, it, again, Dr. Bell, it goes all the way back to that moment I had with him in that condo with the Dallas Mavericks. Right. Everything that I do, even up to this point, it goes all the way back to that saying, OK, God, I believe if you did it for me once, you can continue to do it for me. Right. And from a 23 year old kid, I learned then that just because he does something for me doesn't mean it's going to happen my way. Right. 
if 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 I'm going to let him take control of my life, I've got to let him take control. And that's the I'm telling you right now, doctor, that is the toughest thing, man. It is so hard because as a basketball player, I was in control of everything. Right. I mean, you're talking to I was a point guard. So I'm used to being in control. I'm used to know you, you, you belong over here. You need to go there. Right. We're going to pl- run, run, play number one, play two, because I'm the coach. I'm the coach on the floor. So I'm used to being in control of things, being dominant. Right. And if things aren't going right, it fell on my shoulders and I had to correct it. Whereas this life is so opposite of that. Right. It's, it's so not me, but all him. And I've got to learn how to humble myself, which is so difficult to do. It's, it's a daily challenge. Right. To do that. So we we take advantage of that and we go to Fishers. OK, we literally just pick up everything. We move. We get a house out there uh, and we move up there and we're there and we're just grinding there. And, and it gives us the opportunity to learn how to be a, a pastor without being a senior senior pastor at that particular time. Yeah. Um, you said something that's interesting there. I mean, with. I mean, there's a lot, a wide variety of people that listen to this podcast. I mean, a lot of athletes. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say, though, everyone's an athlete. Our office is just different, right? So I mean, we have to have that because I believe it. I mean, we're always competing against the most difficult opponent, and that's ourself. I mean, that's, that's definitely yeah. our flesh. I mean, when you, you said something that struck a chord with me, I mean, in terms of, you know, letting go and letting God. Yeah. Allowing the spirit yeah. to live through us. I mean, so if someone's listening this first time. Um, yeah you know, they've dedicated them, themselves to Christ. You know I mean? Yeah. They, they believe. Yeah. What, I guess my question is this, is what is it that we have to do to allow God to take over in our lives? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a mouthful. And yeah. you, I, I, want people, I want people to understand that's listening. I, I'm still not perfect at it. Right. I, I, I'm still, um, striving to be better and the one thing that i continue to go back to and i keep repeating myself is going back to when i was 23 years old what happened to me then yep. right and i keep saying that because that is very real in my life you know even when i don't feel like god is answering my prayers and things aren't happening the way i feel like they should happen um immediately my, my mind and my spirit goes back to that moment you know uh, and then it's like a calmness comes over me saying, all right, if he, he, he took care of me when I was 23, he's going to take care of me now. Yeah. Right. And um, and I constantly have to remind myself of different times in, in, in my life. And that's part of it. Part of it is not forgetting what God has done for you in the past. Right. All right. You know, those those monument moments is what I call them. Right. Um, so, and another thing is it does take a lot of sacrifice. All right. You know, as an athlete, if I wanted to improve, it came at a cost, right? I I can't, I can't just wish my jumper to be better. I can't just wish my ball handling to be better. No, I had to wake my butt up early, get out there. Let me tell you this story. Okay. Yeah. I remember I was I was in sixth grade. I was in sixth grade, and we had a basketball hoop uh, outside of our uh, in our driveway. All right. It was one of those bootleg basketball hoops. Like you shoot on one side, it's eight feet. You shoot yeah. on the other side, it's like eleven feet. Right. So it really <laughs> makes know? the game good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The, the floaters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So 
I'm shooting out there, shooting out there, because that's all we had. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a very humble home, you know, so that's all we had. I'm shooting out there, shooting out there, and I'm just out there, just, I mean, you know, just shooting. I walk inside the house after I'm done, right? I'm tired, I'm done. My dad says, son, how great do you want to be? All right? That's the first thing he says to me. He doesn't say, are you hungry? Do you want something to drink? He says, how great do you want to be? I'm like, well, dad, you, you know, man, you know, I want to go pro. I, I want to be great. He says, while you got tired and came in, into the house, there's somebody else in New York shooting 500 more jumpers when you just came inside the house. So if you want to be great, you got to push beyond your tiredness. Dude, you want to talk about, I mean, I'm 12 years old, right? Yeah. I'm 12 years old. And he, what he did was he challenged me in my mind to say, you have to be able to push beyond. And if you want to be great, it's going to cost you something, right? And right then, it's like a switch flipped in my life. And I was like, that's it. That's the hunger. That's the grit. That's the motivation. That's what I have to have. And what did I do? I shut that door. I went right back out there and I started shooting, right? You know? And so, but you know what? That is true to this day, Dr. Bell. If I, if I want to be or achieve anything when it comes to trusting in God, it comes at a cost, right? So there's days when I have to sacrifice time to myself to, to just hide away in my basement, hide away in a, a quote unquote closet, hide away, go to the church, get away and just spend time and say, God, here I am, right? Like, I mean, I know what tomorrow may bring, but here I am. And, I, and, I, and teach me, Lord, to trust you. Help me, God, to, to know that you're in control of my life. Help me, God, not to have this microwave um, theory, this mindset to where I put it in the microwave, hit 30 seconds, and now I want it to be done, <laughs> right? right? You know? And so it takes a little bit of that. It takes going back on your past experiences, knowing that if he's done it before, he can do it again. And then the other part is, it's at a cost. You got to sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice something in your life. And I will give you some examples. Sometimes I just sacrifice TV, right? Like I just go throughout the day and say, you know what? I'm not watching TV today. And the times that I would be watching TV, guess what? I'm reading to educate myself. I'm praying to humble myself, right? The times I would be on social media or the times I'll be up doing whatever with friends and family, I'm gonna sacrifice those two hours because I'm gonna read to educate myself. I'm a sacrifice, you know, I'm a pray to humble myself. And I believe those two things together is what helps me and can help somebody else to learn how to trust. Yeah. The part I love about that is, I mean, God God is an experience because everybody's yeah. experience with that is definitely going to be different, I think, especially, right. you know, those that, that are based in the church and grow up in the church, and it, they always kind of get back to them. I mean, that base is important. That foundation is important. But it's like it always becomes that moment of, where they get called back or, you know, their experience with, with God then changes. Yes. And, um, that's the piece that I, that I love. Um, and I appreciate yeah. you sharing that, man. I, um, yeah, sir. cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guilty as anybody, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I live by yeah. my flesh a lot of times in terms of races and working out because even on a bad run, you know, I'm still going to feel pretty good. You know, right. and I, I, man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love the pats on the back. I love the, wow, man, you're running a hundred mile race. That's awesome. I love that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's that's where at least on my journey, Pastor Eddie, it's like I I can't do anything on my own strength and I realize that because if I start trying to do it on my own strength, I can actually yeah. I can actually feel what that's like and yeah. and and pressure mounts and anxiety mounts and it's because I'm trying to do it and it's only a matter of time and I'm going to screw that up. That's right. That's right. That's right. You you're right. I mean, let, let me tell you, you you are saying something that is so um, real and so authentic. Uh, and there's many people that need to hear that authenticity from people like us, you know, because when they see someone like you who they may say, man, this guy's successful. What what makes him tick? What we like to hear the great things, you know, uh, but to me, I want to hear both I, I want to hear what do you struggle with right what what are some of the things that you know bother you right Be, because it's nice to hear when we have these people who we kind of look up to or we admire or, you know you can fill in the blank with the adjectives but it's nice to know wow they're they're a guy just like me they're a man just like me they, they have some some faults some failures some shortcomings some things that they wish they can improve just like me because it helps other people to know that there is hope there is a chance, you know, and they don't just throw in a towel and give up and say, oh, I'll never be Dr. Rob Bell. Oh, I'll never be Pastor Eddie Robinson. No, 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 no. Because Pastor Eddie Robinson didn't think he would be Pastor Eddie Robinson, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure Dr. Rob Bell at some point didn't think you would be who you are, Dr. Rob Bell, right? But something in us is driving us to be better, knowing that we have these shortcomings that we must continue to improve upon as well, right? And that's so true. And a lot of the shortcomings, we can't improve them unless God helps us. That's the struggle, doctor. It is because we're so competitive and we are competitive by nature. You're like, I can do this. I can do this. Right. Because that's what we do as an athlete. If, if, if I got beat in a game, I was ready to play again. Right. <laughs> right? Let's go. Let's go again. Because I don't beat me twice. You know, that's that's my mentality. Um, and that's the struggle when it comes to trusting in God or doing things that we know we need to improve upon, it takes sacrifice. And that sacrifice takes a lot of times humility saying, I got to take my hands off the wheel and allow God to put his hands on the wheel and direct my steps and trust that he's going to lead me in the right path. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You mentioned something, um, Psalm uh, 33, 4 at the, uh, I believe it's probably at the start of this pandemic, but you know, in that, all his works are done in truth. Can you elaborate on that one? Because I yeah. just thought that was such an awesome psalm and one that you that you referenced. Yeah. Um, what What's interesting is, is oftentimes when things happen uh, and as things are happening right now in life, um, we sometimes wonder, where is God? Like God is absent. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've heard many people say that even during this time. Where's God at, Pastor? Where's God in this? And I say, well, God's right here. He's 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 never left. You know, just because there's uh, hate, crime, evil, doesn't absence of God. It just means that God need God's light needs to shine even more. And the one thing that I try to 
educate myself because it starts right with me. I try to educate myself with is now is not the time to take a back seat, but I need to be in the front seat. I need to be the driver. Okay. Because the scriptures lets us know that we are the light of the world, right? Jesus came to be an example. He was the light of the world. And then Jesus says that you are the light of the world, right? And so that's the one thing that I am getting at when I was speaking on that particular thing is that God is not absent. He's right here. But he needs to be shown through who? Through people like you and I, mm -hmm. right? And the actions and the things that we do and how we speak in love and how we speak truth in love and, that, and the things that we say and maybe keeping our opinions maybe to ourselves at that particular time because it may not be the right time to say it or whatever the case may be but we're led by the spirit because the spirit is in us right so he's here we just have to allow ourselves to shine and it, it, it comes through us so i i strongly believe that yeah i i always like the one line you know if god feels far away then who yeah. moved then who moved yeah, yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We've heard that one, but it wasn't destroyed in a day either. I mean, it's always that slow fade, right? It's that. Um, That's right. You know, I, but I also believe like what you said there is such a righteous statement because it's I think the spirit and God shows himself in in our relationships with others and puts these individuals in our lives at those times that makes such an impact. Yes, yes. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and <clears throat> I have no reason to believe that um, what what we are dealing with, what we're going through uh, as a society, as a country, and even in our world, uh, that um, there is a not only a light at the end of this tunnel, but there's a bright light, okay? There's a bright light. I mean, I'm telling you right now, uh, I'm actually excited about our future. I really am. Yeah. I really am. I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm having conversations almost daily with people, uh, and there's people on the left side, and there's people on the far right side, right? Um, and But I'm glad I'm having conversations with them, and I'm glad they're calling me and talking to me, you know, um, because... I believe God has put me in this position as a young man, right? 39 years old, because uh, I'm sure that question is always asked. How, how old are you? <laughs> so, you know, uh, 39 years old, young man that's experienced a lot of things, uh, competitive athletic background. Um, and I've been uh, I've traveled and I've seen a lot of different things uh, and the way that I think and how I'm geared up here. I believe I can see now why God has placed me in the position that he has for this day at this time. So that's why I say, Dr. Rob Bell, I cannot sit in the back seat. I've mm -hmm. got to be in the driver. I've got to be. You, we, many people like us, people of influence, right? We've got to be the drivers of this thing, you know, and continue to educate people, love people. And also, as I stated before, it starts right in our home. Yeah. Make sure our kids are growing up in an environment 
in a society that is much better than where we are even today. What are some of the things that people come to you with? Well, um, the, the, the obvious question is, is what do you feel about all this? Yeah. Um, you know, some of them are asking, um, uh, how, how are you, what are you talking about in your home? Okay. You know, how are you and your wife handling this? You know, has you, has your kids talked to you about it? What are you telling your kids? Uh, that's a very common question, you know, cause their kids are coming to them saying, Hey, why are these buildings burning down? Or, hey, why are people fighting? Or, Hey, why, you know, cause they're kids, they don't understand. Right. Um, or, Hey, what do you think about this white group or this black group? Or what do you think about black lives matter? What do you think about all lives matter? You know, all, those questions are very common. Okay. Um, and, and they, they come to me all the time. Right. I try to use as much Bible as possible uh, because I believe that's the right way to go, yeah. you know, um, and, and try to use the word on it um, because, we you know, God, it was very easy what Jesus did. He came for all people. You know, Jesus actually struggled with this with his own disciples. Right. Because the disciples being Jews didn't want any part with Gentile people. Right. Right. They didn't want any dealings with Samaritans, which Samaritans were mixed cultures. Right. And I tell people the story when Jesus met the woman at the well, she yep. was a Samaritan woman. Right. Well, notice how Jesus says he's hungry. He needs food and he sends his disciples into the town to get some food. Right. Well, that wasn't by accident. That was on purpose. <laughs> right. He sent them off to get food because he knew he was going to have to meet somebody who they felt like wasn't worthy for Jesus to be talking to at that particular time. Is this any rights in the, he, he, he scribbles in the, uh, uh, in the dirt and says he is without sin. That, that one. That's no, that's, that's a different, that's a different one. Okay. That one was when they brought the woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 She was caught in adultery. They were trying to catch her. Yeah. 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 They said, now what you going to say now? Cause Moses's laws say she ought to be stoned to death. Right. Right. Which, Here's a, here's a little tidbit for somebody out there. It's always interesting. Why did they drag the woman and not the man? Why didn't they drag both of them? Anyway, food for thought, right? <laughs> food for thought. So, because it takes two to tango, right? But anyway, food for thought. So, but no, this Samaritan woman who's at the who's at the uh, at the well was the one who had multiple husbands. All right, she had multiple husbands. Uh, the one who she was living with was not her husband. But she was a Samaritan. She was of a mixed culture okay. and the Jews didn't have anything to do with these people. Right. So that's a form of racism or stereotypes. All that was right there. And Jesus was showing them, no, 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 no. I came for all people. Right. I, it doesn't matter who you are. I, I'm a love and take care and treat everybody the same way. You know, um, so I always share different stories like that because it's all right there. And Jesus had to deal with the same thing all the way back in those days. You know, uh, and we're still just dealing with it now. It's just a matter of how do we, children of the light, handle this situation because we need to handle it the right way and go about it the right way. You know, because even my parents who raised me up in a Christian home, they still had to go through the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, that that time, that era that they grew up in. Whereas I didn't grow up in that. Right. I didn't have to deal with things like that. I, you know, I've never had to deal with some of the things that they had to see. You know, it's just a different time, a different day. Uh, but yet here we are in 2020 in a, in a, in a different uh, light, a different vision, if you will, is coming to the forefront. 
So during throughout your your journey, though, did you encounter uh, racism? You know, I I, I encountered it on a um, I'm just going to say a low level, meaning it was um, it wasn't direct. No one's called me a name to my face. No one has got up in my face and tried to intimidate me by the color of my skin. You know, uh, it's it's been done uh, in in other little ways, maybe once or twice in my whole entire life, mm -hmm. right? And Dr. Rob, it's from people that had no idea who I was, right? They they didn't know my name, they didn't know who my family was, you know, things like that. Um, and now some of my other brothers encountered a little bit more than me, you know. Um, but for me, uh, I've I'm thankful for that. I'm, you know, I'm very thankful. I will say sports has has really protected me in a lot of ways, you know, because when you're an athlete and you're a pretty known athlete growing up, whether it be in your city and your college, people kind of recognize, you know, your name, know your face. And that it really does protect you, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways that maybe you could have been placed in harm's way, but you're not because of who you are and they recognize you. So, uh, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I appreciate you answering that. I, um, the the bubonic plague, you know, that killed millions and millions on the earth. After yeah. that happened, it was the Renaissance. Yeah. You yeah. know, that led to the Renaissance. You said, like, there's a bright light at the end of this. I mean, talk about yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think this, this light is so bright um, that we just, I, I'm excited about it. Um, because everyone was talking about at the beginning of January, this is 2020, the year of vision. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody was saying that. Well, this is obviously the vision that we needed to see. This is what needed to come to the forefront, right? Things that were maybe hidden are all being dug up, if you will, if I can use that terminology. Um, and this is what we needed to see. We needed to see what we're seeing right now, but everything is for a reason because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, all right? So every good gift and perfect gift comes from above. And so with that in mind, with that scripture in mind, knowing what's going on and what's taking place, if you see what is taking place and you see this younger generation, these 25 and younger, young people that are gathering together in peace, and love. Now, of course, you got your knuckleheads, your boneheads that are out there. You're going to have that, right? I mean, I'm like, whatever, man. Like, come on. What? What's, you know, those type of people look for a reason to do that stuff, to loot and to do all that stuff, right? I mean, it is what it is. But from a positive angle, I see so many young people with all this energy and they're educated, right? Like, I'm seeing 23-year-olds way more educated than I was at 23 or at 22, you know, uh, and they're they are educated in their politics. They're educated in uh, whether it be certain things that they're researching in, uh, in, in our government scientists. They, they are educated. And so they are speaking with. Intelligence. That's why I say there is a bright light at the end of this tunnel. Right. I mean, these kids are speaking with elegance, with class. And I'm like, wow, I I'm impressed. I'm very impressed because I don't know if, if I was 21 years old, if you would have put a microphone in my face, if I would have sounded educated, 
you know, and I would have been being able to articulate myself in a way that actually made some sense that would say, you know what, you're right. I, I, I do need to support that, you know, but I'm seeing all these young people come together and they're speaking with such education, with class, with dignity. And I'm like, you know what, there's a bright light. There is a bright light. Uh, at the end of this tunnel. Uh, and that's why I feel so positive about this, you know, and I really feel that through all of this, there's going to be such a unified effort. Okay. All races, all cultures, backgrounds, there's going to be such a unified effort for equality and for people that are willing to have conversations and not be afraid to ask questions. That's the key, Dr. Bell. Okay. Like you shouldn't be afraid to ask me a question. I shouldn't be afraid to ask you a question. And then we have that dialogue in love, right? It doesn't mean I agree with everything you say and you agree with everything I say, but at least we have that dialogue and we have a mutual respect for one another, you know, for where we are. And I think that's where we are coming to and that's where we are. And if that's the case, that light is getting brighter. Yeah. It's getting brighter. I think we got the title of this uh, podcast episode there, Pastor Eddie. What's that? Well, like you said, I mean, there's a bright light. The end oh, of this yes. tunnel. When I was uh, on, on one of my, when this pandemic started, yeah, I started uh, running with one of my man, uh, Derek Grant. So we started doing, you know, our 5 a.m. Saturday morning runs. And right. I started training, and he was training as well. And um, and this was just probably on the Monon Trail, but we hit it up early. And in that tunnel, in one of those tunnels, the light is actually in the tunnel. Not on the other wow. side. Like the, it's the tunnel that's actually lit up. And, and I always kind of keep coming back to, back to that one because everything, you know, in my world is the mental toughness and, and the opportunity yeah. and, and the obstacle. Yeah. And I said, well, what, you know, the, the obstacle sometimes is that opportunity and looking at that tunnel that way. So I, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad we got the title figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, uh, the question I wanted to ask was – you know, what's one question that I that I should be asking you that that I'm not asking? Hmm. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think um, maybe along the lines of uh, I guess I guess I'll say the first thing that came to my mind, uh, and that is when it comes to uh, my family. Okay, when it comes to my family. What, what is it that a lot, a lot of people are uh, intrigued by um, my family, and how do I manage the between what I do now and my family life, you know, because the one thing that a lot of people, um, I feel at least they ask me this question is because the balance of life and what drives us is, is challenging, you know? Um, so, um, so a lot of people ask, how, how did, what does that balance look like? You know, what, what is your family dynamic and how do you handle your family life with what drives you and your passion, you know, in your own personal life? 
So that's, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. How would you answer that one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So um, I I will say it's, it's it's a daily challenge. I, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm going to give you an answer, but it's not the perfect answer. You know, I, I think you can ask a hundred men this question. And if they tell you they're perfect, they're lying to your face. You know, if they tell you they have the perfect balance, they're lying to your face. And I want to meet this person because if he's got some secret antidote that, you know, he needs to pass it around to everybody. Um, and I have, uh, me and my wife have, have four girls, okay, um, and four beautiful girls, and this kind of tells you a little bit about uh, my, my athlete uh, background and basketball, because all of my girls are named after basketball players, so. so can, you older- na- can you name the first, and I'll tell you who they're named after? <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, if, if you name it, let me see if I can pick it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy. It, oh, it is easy. Okay. Yeah, this is easy. So I know one of your daughters easy. was named Ewing. No, no. Okay. No, no. no we, Sorry, we Pastor go Eddie. Go ahead, man. We didn't go that crazy. <laughs> we didn't go that crazy. Uh, Jordan. So uh, then there's Kobe. Um, and then there's Kyrie. Uh, and then there's Wade. Awesome. So D Wade. So, <laughs> so, uh, so that's all their, their middle names. Okay. Okay. So that's my, my wife, my wife allowed me to, to name them after uh, basketball players since I didn't have any boys, you yeah. know? Uh, so she, she allowed me to have a little bit of fun with that, uh, and, and name them that. So, so I have a very entertaining home. Okay. All women, uh, yeah. myself. Uh, and so there's a lot of needs in my household and, um, but, you know, one thing that I try to discipline myself to do because, um, you know, Dr. Bell, when, when we put our all into something, we put our all into it, yep. right? I mean, we, I, if I'm going to make a choice to do something, uh, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to do it with everything that I have, you know, everything that I have. Um, and... I try not to have any shortcuts. You know, I think about when I walked in the house when I was 12 years old, my dad said, you know, there's somebody else else out there working harder than you are right now. So how great do you want to be? You know, um, and I'm constantly constant. That's that's just that's just who I am. You know, that's just my mental attitude is push yourself, push yourself. How can you be better? How can, what can you do to be better? You know, um, and so that drives me like crazy. And I, I'll be honest with you. There's times when I don't do a great job, you know, at home because I'm still at the church or I'm still doing this or that, or I'm up reading this or taking care of this or, and there's been times when, you know, my wife would challenge me and say, Hey, you know, can you think of us like you do the church sometimes? <laughs> right. I mean, that, that hurts sometimes. You know, that hurts. Um, so it, it is a very challenging thing because um, your, your, your flesh, who you are, you want to be so good at something. You know, you, you want to be the best you can at it. Um, 
But I always have to remember the most important job I have is being a father and a husband, right? That's, it's the most, most important job I have is being a father and a husband. Yeah. Do you you think it's easier to be a father than it is a husband? Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um, I, I, the first thing that came to my mind was I, I think they're on about the same playing field. I think it's probably equal with me um, because oftentimes they go hand in hand Yeah. Uh, because my kids are so young, right? And when I'm being a good father, I'm being a good husband at that time too because I'm helping my wife with the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm, we're outside playing together or I take them out to get ice cream. That gives her time to just, you know, decompress, relax. So because my kids are so young, that oftentimes goes hand in hand for me. Right. Um, because that's what she needs. She needs like, she needs that time kind of to herself, you know, um, but it, it is a little easier sometimes to just. Because. I can come home and give my kids big hugs, take them out, ride bikes with them or, you know, do things like that. And, and for that 30 minutes, I was a great father. Yeah. But I could have stopped by, you know, the local flower shop and picked up some flowers on my way home to bring home just to show my wife that extra bit of love and appreciation. Right. I would have been a good husband at that time. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's little things like that. You know what I've done? I've actually set a reminder in my phone that goes off. Okay, once every other week, so twice a month, it says buy something for your wife. Right. Yeah. So that's what I've done. I've set a reminder in my phone. And so every once in a while, it'll just pop up my phone and says buy something for your wife. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do something for my wife. Right. And some people may say, Man, that's crazy. Do you have to do that? It's, it's, it's not that I'm just callous. Right. But my life, I live such a routine and a schedule and I live off of calendar dates and these, this and that, that, yeah, you know, and it helps me. It disciplines me. You see what I'm saying? To make yep. sure I'm doing things right. So I'm a good husband, that I'm a good father, you know, things like that. Right. And uh, some people may think that's strange, but it's it's been a blessing to me, you know, yeah. to do something like that. I love yeah. that one, man. I think that's great. Yeah. 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 Uh, my wife's love language. See, my love language is, uh, you know, words of affirmation, right? So mine's, yeah, mine, yeah. mine's pretty easy. And, um, well, hers isn't <laughs> like that. Oh, oh thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so hers, hers isn't like that. Though. Hers are acts of service. You know, so yeah. I have, I mean, me doing the laundry, me uh, uh, getting yeah. her a tea, something like that, the acts of service. I always think the love language is important because if it's not matching up, and tell her how beautiful yeah. she looks all the time is not, it's not getting yeah. it. So uh, that's right, Pastor Eddie. Uh, you've got a podcast. Tell us where people can uh, can listen to you and, and, and tune into that because I love your show as well, man. I appreciate that. Um, so there's a, there's a couple places uh, where you can take advantage to listen to me. So um, you can rather be on Spotify, iTunes. Um, it's called E3 Motivations. Just type in E3 Motivations. Uh, that is just lowercase e, the number three motivations. All right. 
Uh, just type in E3 Motivations. They can listen to my podcast that I have weekly. Um, and then also, if they ever want to get a taste of how I speak, how I preach, how I present myself, uh, every Sunday at 1030 on uh, your local ABC, WPBY, all right, that's Star City Broadcast. At 1030 every Sunday, my sermons are on television. Uh, so they can catch me both places every Sunday at 1030 or weekly uh, on my podcast where I talk a lot about mental toughness and a lot about uh, just experiences in life and uh, how to improve yourself. You know, uh, I really do elevate, encouraging and empowering. It's awesome, man. Oh, my Sir. Man, well, I appreciate you taking the time today and uh, helped me out a lot. And I know uh, people listen to it are going to definitely get better, man. So uh, there's a bright light at the end of this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a bright light. I'm telling you, it's a bright light. And I'm encouraged by it. And I uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate this opportunity. I really thank you uh, for your time. I mean, I've had a lot of hinge moments in my life. And it's just amazing, you know, uh, how I've just went from sports uh, and not knowing what or who, what I was going to do. Uh, and I've traveled around and ended up in Lafayette, right? Who would have known a job would have brought me to Lafayette? Uh, and here I am. I preached my first sermon at this church, uh, not knowing anybody. And I teach Sunday school, youth pastor, preach my first sermon, move to Fishers. Then from Fishers, I go to Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio brings me back to Indiana and then back to Lafayette. And here I am 15 years later, pastoring the church for <laughs> where I first preached my first sermon at. And now I become the pastor of this church. And it's just amazing what God has done for me. And now I'm home. This is where I'm going to be at. This is where my family is. This is where we're going to grow up. This is where my kids are going to grow up, hopefully go to Purdue, be a boilermaker. Uh, and so I'm excited about my future. There's a, there's a bright light at the end of that time. <laughs> pastor Eddie Robinson, thanks so much, man. Yes, sir. God bless now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.